0: you can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Joshua chapter 4. This is God's Word. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan, at the spot where the priests who had carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. As soon as all of them had crossed, the Ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground, than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always Fear the Lord your God. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Now, this is a story that is uh, not quite as thrilling, dramatic, etc., as what immediately precedes it, which is the waters being cut off and stacking up and so forth that's that's the real drama part this is sort of the the postscript but let me tell you this in many ways is much more applicable to us because most of our lives we will not be standing on the brink of the Jordan waiting for the waters to pile up or walking over in the midst of a miracle that we can see with our own eyes even though God does graciously answer prayer in miraculous ways from time to time for us. Most of our lives, we will be, I trust, acting in obedience based upon God's command in order that others might know of his great saving power. Does that make sense? So in other words, most of us spend most of our lives, if we live well, in chapter four, not in chapter three. Most of our lives are not in the middle of the miracle. Most of our lives are remembering what God has done and revering and honoring him. Now, one of the first things we see in this chapter is the principle of representation. God wanted, a memorial built so that future generations would be reminded and even that generation would be reminded of what God had done and so God ordained that that would be a stone monument he could have said everybody pick up a stone but instead God chose to do what he often does and that is to designate that there should be a representative, one from each tribe in this case. This principle occurs throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, and it operates in many different settings on many different levels. Please understand that the fact that God chooses to use representatives at times does not absolve those of us who are not the representatives from responsibility for our own actions. Every single one of us still has to answer before God. But over and over and over, we see that God chooses, and in some cases has other people choose, representatives for the people. We see that in government. We see that in worship, that this person is doing this on behalf of the people. We see it in the family. There are distinct roles in the family, and part of the role of the parents is that they represent the family. The dad, in particular, is charged with the responsibility of being a representative for the whole family, so that not everybody does the same thing, but, We are all represented. And folks, the zenith of this is not the various kings of the Old Testament or even the prophets and priests. But here, we should think especially of Jesus, who is that great high priest and whoever lives to make intercession for us. The Bible says that he is the forerunner he is the one who has gone on ahead of us and already accomplished our victory. It's our victory because he is our representative. And the way that he did that was not just to live a sinless life, which we have all failed to do, but it was to take upon himself our sin, our guilt our shame, and God's wrath. You see, he didn't just represent the best of humanity, if you will. Sinless, tempted in all points just as we are, yet without sin. He didn't just do that. He also was our representative before God, taking our guilt. So that him who knew no sin Became sin for us. Jesus took upon himself our guilt. I mean, we can't get our minds wrapped around that because we're not sinless. Imagine if you were going to be punished for something you didn't do. Jesus was. Jesus took upon himself our guilt, our shame every nasty thing you've ever done, every awful word you've ever spoken, everything you knew you were supposed to do and you failed to do it, all of that was heaped on him. And then the punishment was poured out on him. He took our guilt, our shame, our punishment. And then he conquered death. Our representative has now not only risen from the dead, he has ascended to the Father's right hand, and he is there preparing a place for us. He's our representative. He's our advocate with the Father. He's our high priest. He ever lives to intercede for us, to pray for us. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. If you would like to help, please get a pen and paper so that I can give you our contact information. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee 37862. To so. step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. And is holding The principle of representation. Now, notice too that we we just see all through this acts of obedience. God said, the Lord said, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Verse 4, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. God says, do this. Joshua does what? He obeys. If you want to know the secret to seeing God do amazing things in your life, trust and obey. I don't know, I'm just not sure. It looks kind of scary. Lots of stuff that God asks us to do looks kind of scary. But we need to trust and obey. And as we trust and obey, God manifests his power. God glorifies his name. God blesses his people. It's not always easy, but it's always right. All right, next, look at verse 6. This is to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. The purpose of this was that the next generations would ask, what does this mean? And God's people would get to recount the story of his salvation. Those of us who have experienced the salvation of our God, who know what it is to be forgiven, who have been born again, are to live a life of obedience that will cause our children, and others sometimes, to ask, what does this mean? When Moses was instructed concerning the Passover, part of the instruction was, you do this, and when your children ask, what does this mean? You tell them about the Passover. Our obedience is designed by God to raise a question in the minds of people around us. Why do you do that? Why why is... Your life different. Dear people, our lives should be obedient to God. If we are obedient, we will not be like the people around us. Okay. The goal is not to be different. The goal is to be obedient. The consequence of being obedient is that we will be different. Amen? We'll be different. And when you live differently than the people around you, your kids are going to ask, how come we don't do what everybody else in the neighborhood does? How come we're not going where they're going when they're going? So, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Tell them. Tell them about what God did. Tell them about the way that you saw the powerful manifestation of God's salvation. His coming to rescue his people. His doing what man could not do, what nature could not do. God ruling as the sovereign one. And then look at the end. Because it's reiterated. He said to the Israelites, verse 21, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. See how it's repeated right there in the same chapter? This is the expectation. You do what God says, it's going to raise questions. When they ask, tell them. Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Let me just interject one more thing. Parents, teachers, look for teachable moments. Okay? It is so much easier to answer questions. And, and try to understand what kids are asking, too, by the way. Um, sometimes when it comes to explaining things like where babies come from and so forth, parents wonder, you know, how much do I say and when do I say it and so forth. Spend time with your kids and listen to their questions and so if you're not sure what they're asking ask them some questions in response so that you get an idea of what they're looking for because sometimes hilarious things have happened when parents thought children were asking this and they answered it accordingly and it turns out no the child was just asking this so find out what they're really asking and answer their question accordingly all right always be honest always be truthful you don't have to tell a child everything you know You just need to tell them what they need to know, and that means you need to be honest and truthful. But when you ask, notice that. When they ask, all right? When they ask, when they ask, then tell them, all right? You don't walk around all the time drumming on your kid's head, all right? You simply answer the question. And the questions will come if you live a life of obedience. Because your kids are going to look and they're going to say, our family's different. That's because the representative leadership of the family is not allowing that family to be dragged into the vortex of destruction that our culture is around us. So, when they ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. And here's what you tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. Okay, now please get this principle. You not only tell them about this event that happened, but you tie it into the salvation history of our God. Okay? The reason this is important is not just because we got from one side of the river to the other. It's because this was a part of our journey as God was saving his people and bringing us out of slavery into the promised land. And our kids need to be taught not just about an event, not just about an experience, but about the story of God's salvation. And that's pictured right here. You tell them, God brought us across the Jordan on dry ground, just as he did at the Red Sea. I've told you about the Red Sea, haven't I? You teach your children the story of the great things that God has done. Passover comes and they say, what does this mean again? And you tell them the story of the Passover. God wanted us to live a life that would raise questions with our children and we would get to tell the story of his salvation. And then, explain to them, listen, he did this, verse 24, so that the Jews might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? He did this so that those who lived in the Middle East might know, is that, is that what it says, verse 24? See if that's what it says. Verse 24. He did this so that the peoples of the Middle East might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Is that, That's not what it says? He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. That is perfect. On the one hand, this message is for the benefit of all people everywhere. All people everywhere need to know how great our God is. Okay? So this is for the benefit of all the peoples of the earth. Got it? This message is not just for the Jews, it's not just for the Middle Easterners, not just for the benefit of the people in Jericho or those on the surrounding region. This message is for all the peoples of the earth. And, what's the next phrase? And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Sometimes we get to thinking that it's all about us. You know, really, God just kind of does this because he's dealing with me and he's teaching me things. No, no, no. The gospel of who God is, the truth about our God, is for all the peoples of the earth. And we're all to be involved in that we are to be participating one way or another in the spread of the gospel throughout the whole earth. But, sometimes even when we're doing that, we can forget this is for us. So that you might always remember. So that you might always fear the Lord your God. Did you know sometimes when you grow up around this stuff, you can get kind of comfortable with it. Sometimes when you've heard this stuff week after week, month after month, year after year, it's like, oh yeah, God's great. I believe that. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. Man, do I know that? That's really good. Yep. And we just started to take it all for granted. This is no. God says, you're supposed to fear me. You're supposed to reverence me. Don't ever lose the awe of God. We need to recognize. That's why I want you to have your Bible. And I want you to have your Bible open. And I want you to be feeding on God's word and recognizing this is a treasure. There are people who died so that you could have a Bible in your own language. There are people right now whose lives are on the line because they are hiding a portion of scripture in their home so that when they get together with other believers, not when they get together with other believers if there's not an athletic event that conflicts, when they get together with other believers, which is something they wouldn't miss, they risk their lives to gather together and share God's word with one another. So we better not take it for granted and act as if it's no big deal. We can always study the Bible. We can do that whenever it's convenient we need to take this seriously. We need to understand the reason we do this is because of what God has done. And the message of His greatness is for all the peoples of the earth and so that we would always fear Him. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ